Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Market Show. I am John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle. I am joined today by Harriet Russell, one of our company's writers. How are you doing, Harriet? Good, thank you. Good. And Alex Newman, another of our company's writers. How are you doing, Alex? Good. Hi, John. Excellent, excellent. And uh, over in the control room, Graham Davis. Hello, John. And Dominic Toms. Hello. Hello, Dom. Right. Very exciting week this week. It's become, by default, our corruption special. (laughs) Because this is the week where football hit the headlines. Not in the sense that it usually does, but in the sense that uh, there were there were a number of arrests this week ahead of the FIFA presidential elections. And it's all gone absolutely nuts. Alex, you, you wrote a piece on football for us a little while back. Yes. Um, so, I mean, this, this is not about the business of football necessarily, what's going on at the moment. But we'll talk about that in a minute because uh, the beautiful game needs to be cleaned up. Maybe, maybe... Some of the stuff you talked about in your sector focus a while back can be revisited, and you know maybe the case for investing in football will be much better once it's a it's a bit of a cleaner business. But uh, but very exciting stuff. Harry, you're going to talk to us about uh, Brazil, mm-hmm. which is bizarrely uh, something you've written about this week, and also somewhat at the heart of the uh, the corruption scandal going on at the moment as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Brazil sponsored by Nike, who are one of the sponsors of football in its grander sense and yeah some some shenanigans going on there so graham mm. well, you might as well kick us off you've uh, you put together seven days this week and yep. uh, and foul play is uh, is at the center of uh, of that page yeah foul play was uh was uh, was our main story on that page it's not really market related at all but it was just uh, more of a human interest story uh, cop swooping on this surprisingly a uh, very plush hotel in zurich that all the uh, fifa delegates were staying in and uh arresting seven of the FIFA delegates amongst 14. It's a US-led um, uh, bribery, bribery um, uh, case, this one, and uh, it involves um, well, what's, what was described as a 24-year racket, basically. A scheme to enrich themselves through the corruption mm. of international soccer. Indeed. Wow. For me, the surprising thing is it's taken so long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, there have we all been, know this. There have been is. some <laughs> suggestions in the past that football might not be at the top level, FIFA level, may not be squeaky yeah. clean. Indeed. I mean, for example, you know, it was a bit of a surprise when Qatar got the World Cup. Yeah, I saw a great tweet and today. So it was, it was a it was a kind of pros cons list that you'd put together for, and it was like cons, you know, too hot to play football in. Hundreds of workers are going to die building the stadiums. Pros will get a new yacht. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's mad. It was madness, yes. and we all knew it was madness. Exactly. And yeah, it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I think it's it's this. Is, I mean, this is good news. If it actually becomes something that changes the way football is run then yeah. then wow but, but Blatter's hold up in his office refusing to move I hear he is he is and I also read somewhere that he hadn't been to the United States for five years yeah weird that, that. isn't it mm. weird, weird. So, I mean it's kind of weird that this is a US led thing as well because they're not really the biggest football fans in the world no they? but there's a lot of a lot of marketing money sloshing around connected to sport in the mm. US and mm. you know some of those guys have been implicated as well and it, and it is all the Americas it's the, it's the Caribbean and, and, and South Americans predominantly the ones who've actually been arrested so far we'll get on to South America mm, in a minute but uh, I mean you know we're journalists we have to be careful we try not to libel people we try not to slander people but you know no one's holding back no one <laughs> is holding back on this story I mean but, the headline on the Daily Mail today is mm, septic blatter I mean yeah. I mean this is insane I mean you know it's as though it's a foregone conclusion that, that it's game over yeah but the guy you know the guy's hung around this this long who would bet against him mm. and I mean he's likely to 
get the backing even tomorrow of a lot of the African nations which have long backed him for his four previous terms. So I wonder why. I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't seem like it's uh, it's a foregone clu- conclusion that he'll leave. So yeah, but Platini's calling for the uh, the election to be postponed. I mean, it's you know, I mean, this is this is it. End of days, surely. End of days for FIFA as we know it. End of days. Um, I mean, Brazil, uh, which you've written about this week, mm. uh, Harry. They're the national team. They're sponsored by Nike, which is one of the big companies involved in in world football. And uh, mm. what was your observation earlier, Graham? I thought, is that true? Well, Nike, Nike have spent many, most of the last few years traveling the world, uh, playing high profile friendlies against other teams who are sponsored by Nike. Brazil, sponsored by Nike. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Portugal, yeah. the like, you know. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, mm. it's, it's, just, it's just mental. It's yeah. mental. Big um, money. You know, mm, but not big money for investors uh, over the years. I mean, Alex, you wrote the uh, the sector folks a while back. Not the greatest hunting ground if you uh, you're an investor. Football has been a, a great way to lose money if you uh, if if you've drawn bought shares in football teams over the years. Yeah, any any of our readers who have um, or listeners who have, have bought shares in Rangers, I think was one of the it was one of the few aim uh, football clubs still left. Uh, will will know that full well. Well, that was I mean that was what last year. Yeah, and and it, is it still around? Is it gone? It's uh, it has put out an announcement that the shares will will be suspended. So, right, um, so it, it's, it's almost gone. It's pretty much gone. I yeah. mean, we've been bearish pretty much from the start. So I think our readers have have managed to dodge that bullet. I mean, that was a disaster. Mm. A disaster. Yeah. Well, it was a disaster that was always waiting to happen. Yeah, um, I mean, it, I think it just shows that perhaps the heads of these football clubs don't necessarily have the right heads for public markets it is it is a different game mm. that you have to play mm. and my, my view would be that football is just a hard business but it's bizarre because it's you know the likes of set blatter and the, the big organization sponsoring make huge amounts of money from it mm. and it seems odd that at the lowest level the grassroots level it's hard for clubs to survive it just it doesn't make sense so no. the game is messed up and, uh, is. But, i mean the, when, when i did the sex focus we we found a, a couple of clubs which uh which have actually been proven to be quite worthwhile investments is there's uh the, the german team borussia dortmund, borussia dortmund. Done you, very, mean dortmund well. you mean dortmund borussia dortmund borussia <laughs> yeah, as our company's editor corrected uh corrected me a few weeks ago um uh, which is a very very well run club i think they have a good uh, track record of nurturing up-and-coming talent rather than spending any money they they take at the gate on superstar players which mm. tends to hit any earnings for most clubs because they are to the credit of the management often forced to reinvest immediately rather than paying any sort of dividends or building the value for shareholders well i don't want bruce you have lost their manager now jürgen klopp who's who's been the architect of their recent success he uh as i understand it was a target for my team west ham mm. but i think he's decided to take some time off so, <laughs> right. my team is a great team no corruption there at all just bubbles ah. Just bubbles. Thank you, mm. Alex. Thank you for that. Actually, you mentioned Rangers and AIM. Uh, you wrote a little piece this week on AIM for us, uh, Alex, talking about some of the new listings. So let's come back to that in a minute. Sure. Nice little entry there. So Brazil, Harry. Mm. I mean, let's let's talk Brazil. I think you refer to it as a, a hot mess. Well, I have to admit that that wasn't my term. That's a, <laughs> okay. that's a quote that we've pulled from Forbes in the article. But yes, I mean, you know, if we're talking 10 or 15 years ago, Brazil is sort of the hot, sexy alternative emerging market that everyone wanted to get into and 
today the stark reality is uh, is a bit different, basically because corruption has reared its ugly head yet again. And corruption in the form of a big scandal at Petrobras, which is its uh, state-owned its big oil, state oil company. company. Yeah, and uh, I think it was its fate was sealed basically in March when uh, one of the executives from Toyo Satal, excuse my lack of Portuguese pronunciation, went on the stand and admitted that he had. Uh, basically passed bribes onto the Workers' Party in Brazil in order to sort of broker contracts at, mm. at Petrobras. So I think it was uh, fairly clear from that point on what had been happening. So so your piece talks about some of these corruption scandals and, mm. you know, the, the knock-on effects of them. You know, are we saying that... I mean, Brazil's, you know, economic growth has been pretty bad yeah, recently. I mean, uh, you know, it's one of the bricks, should be, should be a fast-growth market, hasn't been. Yeah, and that's really what we're looking at in the article is is not just the corruption scandal. Really, that's just sort of sealing the country's fate at the moment in terms of an investment haven. And really, it's about sort of the general economic downturn that's going on there that perhaps doesn't get as much interest as it it should or, Mm. or much attention as it should. I think a lot of people are still sort of in this very romantic relationship with Brazil where they think it, you know, any day it's going to turn around and, and be the emerging market that everyone wants it to be, which uh, when you look at the span of companies that we've touched on this week, it's uh, it's, it's proving not to be the case. Mm, funnily enough, they hosted the last World Cup. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, wonder wonder, wonder how that came to pass. Um, they were a good football team, but hey. So there's been some problems there and problems on a grand scale in terms of corruption. Are there any silver linings to this this massive cloud? Are, you, are there any areas where Brazil might offer investors some some hope? Yeah, I mean, actually, it was Alex's um, Alex's uh, two companies that that he spoke to that uh, are very sort of junior miners there, and uh, and they have admitted that because of the currency devaluation and, and things that have gone on there, actually their their costs will be lower this year. And uh, and they've said that actually, in terms of brokering sort of debt deals there and what have you, the the banks have been fairly accommodating. So I think you know it's about really cherry, cherry picking. But uh, as readers will see in the magazine, you know, in terms of picking favourites and and outsiders there, it's a really difficult business at the moment. And and overall, I would say our stance is bearish at best. Mm. And you mentioned HSBC, mm. and that seems to be you know big big global bank, and you know it's a virtue of that bank. It's been it's it's been the diverse nature of its it's global operations but even it's retrenching from yeah from I mean South this America. is something we really point to in our favorites is, is is looking for businesses that have diversified geographic spread and you know perhaps their exposure to Brazil isn't as as, as great as, as other territories but HSBC is is a really interesting example um, I think it was last year they they really looked and they highlighted for what they call problem businesses and Brazil was one Mexico Turkey I think Argentina was the other so um, mm-hmm. they what will happen to those divisions is uh, is interesting, but but HSBC has admitted that it will either have to sell them off or restructure them completely. And at the moment, there is speculation that the Brazilian division will go over to Santander. Okay. Uh, I mean, they're actually. I saw a headline this morning on the Telegraph about Santander, and you know something dodgy is going on there too. About what? no. Yeah, shocking. A bank dodgy. Yes. Um, we'll come on to that in a minute. We're, 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 Graham's not paying attention, but we'll come on to uh, banks in a minute because yeah. it's been a. a, a week of, of great upheaval in the banking sector yeah. again not necessarily new stuff the stuff we've known about for a time mm. but you know highlighting the corruption there you mentioned argentina alex you've been about argentina this week i have now argentina has been a basket case too i mean you know mm. worse than brazil well. arguably worse than yes. brazil um having having a pop at us for um uh, having the temerity to uh administer a territory down there that we've owned for uh um uh, Many, many, many years, mm-hmm. uh, which happened to have discovered some oil. More this oil is... today. 
more fact. oil. To, well, yeah. in the Falklands, Rock Hopper and Premier oh, no. Oil have uh, have struck more oil today at the Isabel Deep well. Oh God, is this there? So that's just going to ramp things up. Further. It's waving a red flag, isn't <laughs> it, at Christina Fernandez? But she might not be around forever. And I think this is the the, the crux of your story, mm. Alex. And it's it, I thought it's a fascinating story because Argentina at the turn of the uh, the twentieth century, at the beginning of the twentieth century, was the emerging market mm. of choice for uh, for UK investors. It's kind of not anymore, but things might be looking up there. And, and there's a way to play it. Christina's going to go at the end of the year. Presidential election, elections are coming up in October. And the uh, Kirchner's either in Nesta or Christina form are going to leave the stage of politics and will be replaced, business thinks, by a, a more friendly or business friendly uh, leader. Well, that's good because, um, I mean, she has a habit of, of doing very unbusiness friendly things like um, taking oil companies from their rightful owners. Yes. So so Spain's Repsol, which I think in, in 2012 uh, was expropriated by YPF, the, the state-owned oil major, was was seen as uh, by, by capital markets as a, a, a pretty worrying sign. Which is bad as it gets. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you've, we've had the long running uh, litigation rows over the the debt owed to various bondholders, which is actually even worse. <laughs> which is wor- potentially worse. Um, but one of the, the flickers of, of light or optimism is the uh, is the Vacamuerta shale, which is depending on who you speak to, uh, the either the second or third largest uh, shale uh, on the planet. It's and va- va- vaca Vacamuerta, which means which literally means dead cow. Dead cow. Yeah. Wow. Um, a very very arid part of Argentina, um, but intensely natural resources rich. It's it's got a well developed oil uh, industry out there. But the discovery of shale over the last few years means it's it's uh, it's the focus of a lot of the oil majors. And there's one pure play uh, which we we talk about this week, which is Andes Energia. And I met with their their chief executive a few weeks ago, and we've profiled the company there, which which uh, looks to be very well exposed to this this shale revolution, which if if you look at the US and see what it's done there for the the domestic energy market could have uh, a transformative effect on Argentina and be one to watch certainly I mean, for, were, for investors. You were yeah. talking about I mean energy independence for Argentina yeah. as, a, as a potential consequence of this this discovery. But there, I mean there are downsides. I mean you know this is the kind of thing I I think that uh, retail investors would look at and think right we're having some of that. This mm. is the, I mean this is this is a no brainer. This is you know there's no way we can lose here. But I mean there are ways they could potentially lose. There are so so one big practical obstacle is the the cost of drilling this shale which is coming down quite rapidly and I think Goldman Sachs uh, recently put out a report saying that it will it will match US levels of production and cost uh, in the next couple of years but there's the political uncertainty which which hangs over the energy industry there so a lot of the oil majors have gone in quite cautiously with tie-ups with YPF and we would uh, uh, place a similar degree of caution on on Andes Energy which is a uh, which is an indigenous company and um, it has some assets also in, in Colombia. But as with any emerging market or, uh, you know, however you want to describe a, a market in the South America, there there are substantial risks. OK, but I mean, they're a producing company. They've got some they've got some production. So, I mean, yeah. that's that's always something we look for in, yeah. uh, in a small, small cap oil and gas uh, explorer. So, I mean, that's 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 good. So, uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to review that later in the year, I think uh, you said, when, uh, when we know more about the political situation there. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good one. I mean, let's let's move on from that, uh, Graham. I, I appreciate we haven't actually really touched on the the other news. That's quite all right. Yeah, but we'll come back to that because hmm. it's worth doing. We're talking to Vane. 
Yes. Um, you've written the second feature this week, looking at some of the new flotations. And it's been a bit quieter this year mm. than it was last year. I mean, it was, it was nuts last year. I mean, mm. there was a huge uh, rush to market, uh, to the junior market. Not quite so busy this year, but some, some interesting little companies. And I think uh, this, is, this is a good little piece looking at some of, uh, some of the more interesting companies that have come to market in the first quarter. It's, it's picking up. So whether or not you believe the theory that the election was going to put a dampener on equity markets, it seems to have slowed, uh, slowed things down. But in, the, in, the, in recent weeks and, uh, and over the summer, we're expecting and have seen some really, really interesting companies. From, you know, you can say a lot about AIM, but there's spectacular diversity mm. of, uh, of businesses out there. So this week, we're expecting to see the first ever UK law firm listed We've got a, a Burmese social network, social networking company. Which where uh, do I sign up? Uh, indeed, yeah. <laughs> the, the first and possibly the last Burmese social networking company on AIM. Uh, we've got Stride Gaming, which is uh, bingo-led play on the game on the consolidating gaming market. Busy, busy market, that very busy market. And Stride. What's your market? It's mm, one of one of your. What yeah, do you I think? I mean, the bingo float is hardly surprising, mm. given the fact that bingo is pretty much the. Uh, the only division, let's say, that's been let off in terms of um, taxes and, and what have you um, over the last, let's say, two budgets. Mm. Um, I mean, George Osborne has, has hiked um, machine gaming duty. Obviously, we've got point of consumption and, and bingo was really the only one that was, I think, you know, it was only given like a 10% hike or something. So um, compared to sort of 25% for MGD. It's family night out, though. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, pe- penalizing back in <laughs> Um, it's interesting though because Rank Group, which is arguably the biggest bingo operator on the market, I mean their shares have done extraordinarily well mm. over the last year. Well, I would say actually only over the last sort of six to eight months actually, but uh, but clearly yeah, bingo having a resurgence. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that one. Watch, yeah. Watchfully. I think you've said hold. Get, tell, tell us about something that you like. I mean, what what uh, new new flotations have we got that you you think look particularly interesting? So there's a there's a there's a company which also placed in a hold, but um, we're awaiting some clinical trials uh, news. And that's a company called Motif Bio. We've also written about another play on a similar theme in the in the magazine this week, Red X Pharma. These are two very small drug development companies which are developing drugs which may target antibiotic resistant okay. uh, microbes. It's a huge huge uh, hugely demanded product which has been largely overlooked by big pharma in 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 recent years which have as, as harry will, will full well know covering the sectors has uh, gone after higher premium uh, drugs such as oncology treatments mm. and, uh, and and diabetes treatments but these are two companies which have patents on uh, potential mrsa or superbug busting uh, antibiotics uh, motif bio is at quite an, quite an early stage but shortly after listing the company got the green light from uh, uh, the US FDA, uh, the the Food and Drug Administration, uh, to enter phase three clinical development. So, pending good trials of uh, of, of Icalprim, its antibiotic there, we we think that that could be a, a real runner because there's a huge huge demand there, both from government and big pharma. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Simon's written about uh, one of the companies involved in uh, combating MRSA, Bioquil. That's that's in that market, isn't it, Graham? Yes. Yeah. Biocontamination, decontamination, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, that's one of one of Simon's, mm. which he's written about online this week, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's not in the magazine; it's uh, it's online. Okay, so yeah, dr- I mean drugs, and uh, I think Versium was another one you mentioned, which was quite interesting, backed by Neil Woodford, bringing big data to to drug development, which I thought was yeah was novel. Um, again, quite early stage, but uh, yeah, don't ask me how they do this, but they use 
computer algorithms to bypass the very lengthy drug development or drug discovery stage. And I think it takes up to 10 years often to develop billion dollar drugs. So although they're, they haven't got any drugs even in the clinical stage at the moment, that has uh, received huge, huge backing and they, they managed to raise... Uh, 60 odd million pounds yeah uh, I think well, when someone's got Woodford's name against it though I mean it, 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 it tends yeah. to help but I mean is that something that tallies with your understanding Harry of, of the, the drug discovery process because I mean is this this data driven approach something that the, uh, the the FDA for example has bought into I'm not sure the FDA has bought into it but investors certainly are I think um, I mean it's something that they're on our, our technology correspondent and I've been looking at quite quite closely in recent weeks because you see this huge trend emerging between healthcare and technology both both on the drug discovery end which is something that I've looked at more importantly and then both literally in terms of like the, the drive in terms of developing apps to monitor health take, mm. you know taking care much more into the patient's hands than than just in into the lab and um, I think this is going to be something that um, the entire industry moves towards I mean one of the ones that I had been looking at was a company called Mydatech which uses uses in again don't ask me particularly how but they use gold nanoparticles as, as part of their actual um, drug compounds apparently it makes targeting cells a lot easier they can personalize the medicines a lot more which is another huge theme in healthcare so mm. uh, yeah, definitely the way the industry is going. I mean, I, I remember talking about this 10 years ago. I mean, when, when I was first at the IC, we were talking <laughs> about personalised medicine delivery and it, it kind of has taken a while. I mean, we still don't really have it. But I guess no, I think it's IT has moved on. IT no, has moved on. And I think also just the um, the public's consciousness about health has moved on as well. Um, you know, 10 years ago, you weren't talking about green smoothies and quinoa. but No, you know, we, were talk- we were talking about pints. And, yeah, uh, I think today, pints, <laughs> I think today health is, is trendy let's face it to be healthy is to be fashionable yeah, it makes, and, makes me feel old um, <laughs> you know down downloading fitness pal or, or whatever it might cloud tag onto your phone is uh it, you know it makes you the epitome of uh let's say today's modern middle class so. yeah i've been in the wee fit a couple of times graham, graham likes his running um uh, i think i'm uh, very unfashionable <laughs> okay uh thank you alex and I th- there's a lot more coming on aim so we'll we'll try and keep uh readers abreast of that as uh as these companies come to market i mean they do look interesting okay what else graham let's let's come back to the uh the news mm. this week so we've done fifa and corruption yeah that... what else we got uh banks well the uh, banks yeah we, we, under, Ian... corruption can we say corruption i think we can and the banks yeah we can well yes it's corruption. Really? I mean, the, the, the headlines coming out of that LIBOR trial this week, I mean, the, the, the behaviour was, was fairly corrupt. Yeah, you, you know, motivated by greed. Being slightly careful, but yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, um, yeah, so, so Ian's written a piece on that this week, mm. um, concluding that it's going to get worse for the, for the yeah, banking industry. Exactly. I mean, that back end of last week, they took another $5.6 billion whack from uh, fines levied for Forex manipulation. Mm. Um, and yeah, Ian's, Ian's conclusion is that uh, although... It's four years now since Bob Diamond said the period for remorse w- was over, but uh, the, the, obviously the regulators don't think so. <laughs> no, and, and we've got, uh, Ian refers to, and something I refer to in my editorial as well, which is the Fair and Effective Markets Review, which is due out in a couple of weeks, yep. which is going to call for even greater regulation. Yes. Yeah. Um, bad thing? Good thing? I mean, my, my I, I'm quite clear on that. I think, you know, the industry needs to behave. It does. Uh, if it can't behave, it needs to be forced to behave. 
but this comes at a cost and this is what worries me well, that the I figure mean, you you know the figure you pointed out in your editorial that it's not it's not going to be too long before it's a billion pound a year um, just to get banks to be <laughs> regulations it's it ludicrous and we end up paying it, yeah. it, it gets passed on to us i mean we, we hear a lot from sort of smaller brokers and uh, and in fact even large brokers about the, the increased cost of regulation mm. uh, but you can bet your bottom dollar that uh, that that comes through in, in I mean, at the moment, I guess it's not because there's so much competition around keeping charges low to, to attract the private investor. But, you know, there comes a point where, where you know, you'd expect some of this to be passed on. Long term, we'll end up paying for it. We always do, John. Yeah, we always Being do. We always them. do. Interestingly, in, in, not in the news section, but we were talking uh, and we have written about this quite a bit at the lower end of the financial scale. We've had uh, more news out of plus 500 this week. And tungsten. Yeah, well, plus four hundred. I mean, this is, again, this is an interesting one. I mean, we kind of bailed because mm. we kind of knew what was coming. We've seen it before, but this is an anti-money laundering, anti-money laundering regulation yeah. uh, shortcomings, basically. And they updated this week. They reckon it's cost them four million dollars uh, already, and they've got forty staff now working dedicated to clearing the backlog of people they hadn't actually checked properly for money laundering yeah, we, regulations. We, so. we saw this with uh, quite a big broker recently. Uh, should I mention the name? Self-Trade obviously mm. had a problem with this. Mm. Uh, they were end, end up being closed to new business. It takes months. It, it was a money laundering uh, regulation problem. It was nothing wrong with Self-Trade itself. No. You know, I suspect there's nothing wrong with Plus 500 itself. Um, but if the processes aren't in place uh, to, to comply with regulation, it becomes a massive issue. Yeah. A massive problem. And costly. And yeah, very, very, that very, very as well. costly. Yeah, we, we might have a look at that again and, and change our view. But, you know, well, these these things take ages, as we saw in the, mm. in the example of self-trade. So, yeah, probably one to, to, to steer clear of yeah. uh, at the moment. Um, what else have we got, Graham? China, China, we talked about. That's something the market there got thumped last night. Didn't the it? market got thumped last night. I mean, it's had an incredible run this year. I mean, we, just, I was just, we published this article um, pointing out that uh, so the sort of secondary market there, Shenzhen Composite, has doubled since the start of the year. Um, but uh, yeah, it took a whack last night. Shanghai was off six percent overnight. Did that? Did that a few weeks back? Though, yeah. didn't they? I mean, yes, it did, uh... and it's not unusual. Um, no. But what what we were writing about here was the fact that it just hints at further sort of incremental moves to to, to bring in uh, foreign capital into into mm. China. Do you know, I had an amazing stat. It was, uh, I think it was James McIntosh on the FT. Uh, he he pointed out that only two companies on that index have uh, are in negative uh, territory. Oh, Shenzhen. Two yes. companies. Mm. I mean, that's mad. Yeah, <laughs> it's mad. It's not seen very often that sort of uh, statistic. Is no, it? no. Okay, so we've watched some stuff in Greece. We don't talk about that, do we? Um, no. We don't talk about that anymore. Yet. Um, we, we, I'm sure we'll come back to it in the coming weeks, John. It's not going away, that Yeah, but it's just, we, it just yeah. seems to be a bit of a game at the moment. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll see what happens when it actually happens. Yeah, indeed. Um, Vodafone's interesting. Some news there. That's uh, that's another big story that, that we've covered this week. Yeah, big um, share move there as well from a, for a big company. It shares uh, shifted a lot um, on the rumours that uh, Liberty uh, Global may be looking to do a deal of some sort. To buy Thur- it, Thur- to Well, Theron's run through the different scenarios of whether it be Vodafone by Liberty or the other way around and whether, whether Vodafone needs to sell some assets for it to pass muster with regulators and so forth. So it's quite it's, it's a it's our new spotlight for this week is, is on the the uh, the potential uh, for for that deal happening there. It's quite an interesting situation lots of deals going on in telecoms media and, and tech at the moment big deals as well yeah i mean liberty is more of um a cable, a cable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. i mean it's it's uh delivering mainly tv you would say mm. but obviously with telecoms attached to it vodafone's the opposite it's a telecoms player doing its best to get into tv 
Yeah. So, you know, yeah, the, a tie-up like that makes sense. Mm. Um, and why, why you can expect to see a few more of them, especially with the rise of services such as Netflix, where, you know, you start to realise how how the, the delivery of, of content has changed yeah. and, and entertainment content has changed. It's, uh, yeah, fascinating. Shareholders there could be in line for another big windfall, perhaps. You never know. Might get that, that, um, that return of cash uh, picking up again because it dipped a bit this year, I think. Um, okay, um, let's talk a little bit before we go about some results. Uh, good week uh, for Cineworld, one of mm. yours, Harriet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these weren't full-blown results. They were just sort of a quarterly update but year is off to a really good start it was it wasn't one of our tips of the year it was actually a tip at the beginning of the year we've been tipping we've been tipping this company for years i know it's um it's it's just really really consistent it always sort of moves in in a very um predictable way i think in terms of the film slate and sort of general consumer feeling so um so it's one that you can track fairly easily and um, there, was, there was a big shift last year. Obviously, they had a huge acquisition, which took them into Central and Eastern Europe, and the management changed as well. So, admittedly, the shares had a tiny bit of a wobble in the middle of last year, but um, they've come back really, really strong. And, and yeah, the year with a uh, number of new releases still to go is uh, is looking good. Yeah, good releases lined up. I mean, I say good. I mean, you know, it well. depends what your tastes are. But um, certainly... Star Wars, James Bond, Hunger Games, you know, big blockbuster Blockbusters. audience-grabbing films. That, I must admit, know... I'm looking forward to that last bit of Hunger Games. I love the Hunger Games. Does that, is there something wrong with me? No, I'm not a teenage girl, <laughs> but the hunger, I love the Hunger Games films. They're, they're fantastic. You have girls, though. So. I do have girls. So, uh, <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're very much enjoying them. Um, yeah, on the not so good side. Oh, actually, let's talk about airlines quickly. Yes, yeah. Um, well, Ryanair obviously had results this week, um, which were really, really great. I mean, the thing about airlines, I'm always fairly cynical. Um, obviously, we're in a very favourable oil price environment for them at the moment. So naturally, their earnings are looking pretty good. But you predicted something else about Ryanair a while back, was that it's going to change, you know, it's going to change the way it interacts with its customers. Yeah. And you, you, I think, on this podcast, predicted that that would have a, an effect on the way that it did business and, and, and would have a financial effect as well. And and so it's proven. So it's proving, according to management. Um, I mean, really, it's following the easy trend, uh, the easy jet sort of uh, pattern. It's not something that is sort of, um, you know, a, a brainwave of, of Ryanair management. You know, EasyJet really took it upon themselves to improve their customer service, allocated seating, business class passengers. You know, these were all big initiatives that, that really helped EasyJet in the last couple of years. And, and Ryanair seems to be following suit. What What is interesting is that from a market's point of view, the market's obviously not tired of that. And, and they see it, they don't really worry about it in this sort of copycat way. Um, they really see it as offering value to Ryanair passengers. Mm. I mean, what's interesting in terms of um, the the boost from the oil prices, Wizz Air that had results yesterday is is this very sort of political question of whether they would pass on any cost saving to passengers. Um, George Osborne actually called for it last year in the autumn statement. I think he said, you know, it's really about time that we pass this benefit on. Wizz Air claims to be doing that. Mm. Um, so... It's uh, it will be interesting to see whether EasyJet and Ryanair make a, as much of a, of an effort, um, or whether they just really bank the gain at this point. Well, I mean, Wizz Air floated quite recently, didn't February. it? February, February. You've flown them, haven't you, Alex? To Budapest. To Budapest. Yeah. I, I I've got family out in Poland, and we uh, we avoided Wizz Air. Did you tell me it's all right? <laughs> I think it was fine. Yeah, yeah. Nice staff, uh, smooth landing. Uh, who did you fly with then? 
So. I think we went with British Airways. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so, well, IAG didn't have results too long ago, and, and they've been doing really, really well as well. I mean, more importantly, with IAG this week is uh, ah, Aer Lingus. Aer Lingus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, been announced that uh, the government, which had a twenty five percent stake in Aer Lingus, so obviously had to agree quite heavily to the IAG terms, has uh, has come round, and um, I think the offer is uh, two fifty five. Um, that's euros for uh, a share for Aer Lingus. Uh, so it puts the bid at something like 1.4 billion. Um, okay. So well. pretty decent price in the end. It's 40% premium to uh, to the December share price at Aer Lingus, which is when sort of the first approach was made. So Well, there you go. Who'd have thought you could make money from airlines? <laughs> uh, I think who was it who said if Warren Buffett had seen um, the uh, the Wright brothers on, uh, on uh, the beach that time flying Kitty Hawk, he would have shot them down and saved people a lot of money. But, uh, so it's not, not proving of late. Uh, that's... Uh, that's amazing. Okay, well, thank you everybody for uh, for your contributions today. Um, thank you, Harriet. Uh, thank you, Alex. Thank you, Graham, over in the control room. Lots more in the magazine this week, as usual. Lots of results that we haven't had time to discuss. Got the uh, the usual stock screens. We've got a, a, a wonderful feature from uh, from Mr. Bearble. Mr. Bearble, who never writes features, he writes columns, but he's uh, he's sharing with readers this week the secret to managing his investment portfolios. And there's a little free tool you can download on the website as well. So uh, you know, do check that out. It's really useful. It's amazing. Um, and what we're actually trying to do with that is is get feedback so we can develop into into a full blown app potentially. So uh, so do do uh, have a look at that and uh, and please do share with us your thoughts and how we uh, we can improve that and turn that into something which is a really useful portfolio management tool. Uh, thank you very much and uh, I will see you all next week. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.